for you in a minute. Mark chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. Now getting in a place where people gathered to worship the Lord and opened up the Bible, the Old Testament, of course, what they had at that time, uh, was something Jesus just immediately did. That was a big part of his life. Of course, that should be a big part of your life when you get saved. Is that you go to a place where they worship the Lord and the Bible gets opened. Uh, there are very few things that you should like, like you like the Bible being taught and preached and expounded. That ought to be a place that you're interested in going. You didn't used to have to say this, but we live in a day now that uh, you'd better say it. Amen. A lot of people don't know it. It says, uh, straightway, on the Sabbath day, he entered into the city. I mean, he just automatically, quickly went. You didn't have to, you know, somebody have to go talk to him and say, you know, you really need to get in the synagogue. <laughs> there, was no, there was no pressure. There was no talking him into it. It just happened quickly, easily. No thought about it. You didn't have to talk yourself into it. Verse 22, and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. When you have somebody that's in fellowship with the Lord and knows their Bible, and they begin to teach and preach the Bible, it sounds completely different than somebody who doesn't. Amen. And of course, in the case of the Lord Jesus himself, it was on a whole new level that we can't even imagine. We've heard some people that know the Lord pretty well and know the Bible pretty well preach, and doesn't it thrill you? But we can't even imagine what it must be like to hear the Lord Jesus himself teach and preach the Bible. That would be one of the great blessings of heaven. Amen. Verse 23, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Now, I will have to say one other thing. Notice the end of verse 22. It says, It taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Here is what the world can't stand. Authority. Now, that just rubs them wrong every which way you can be rubbed wrong. When somebody has rightful authority and asserts it, that makes people mad as they can be. Well, here's the problem. If you've been called to preach the Word of God, you have been called to assert the ultimate authority. There's no authority that even compares with God. And so if you think they're mad about a, a wife being in subjection to her husband, as the Bible teaches, if you think they're mad about uh, teenagers supposed to obey their parents like the Bible teaches, if you think they're mad about people ought to be under the law like the Bible and common sense teaches, you wait till the ultimate authority, God, shows up. You're supposed to do every single thing just like that. And that absolutely rubs the flesh wrong. The final issue is this issue of authority. Alright, so here with this authority problem going on, verse 23, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. So when ultimate authority shows up, guess what else shows up? A bad spirit, an unclean spirit. Now uncleanness, if you're familiar with that, English word in our Bible usually pertains to something sexual. You know, 
sexual activity is unclean. <laughs> there is uh, germs exchanged. Everybody knows this, that is honest about it. And we live in a very unclean day, don't we? So here's a spirit that is pertaining to that stuff. And they don't like authority. You doesn't like authority. Somebody that wants to go live in their uncleanness. The sow that wants to return to her wallowing in the mire or the dog that wants to return to his vomit, they don't want any authority over them. Amen. You don't ever want to throw off authority if you're uh, infected with these unclean spirits so you can go win souls. The way to know if somebody has got the right motive for throwing off authority is if they're disobeying authority so they can preach the word of God. Like Obadiah Holmes over here. Like John Weatherford over here. Now the divine authority so you can preach the word of God, amen. That's getting rid of one authority because you're in subjection to a higher authority. But when you want to throw off authority so you can go sin, that's the wrong one. That's the unclean spirit kind. So you can get alone and go do filthy stuff without your authority seeing it. Wrong one. Jesus clearly is the right authority. The unclean spirit is clearly the wrong one. Verse 24, saying, here's when he cries out, here's what he says, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. All right, now the authority is not the one that's going to hurt you in any lasting way. One that's going to hurt you in a lasting way is the unclean spirit that hates that authority. Amen, that's a good point. Somebody's all messed up and they're saying a godly authority is the one who messed them up. I beg to differ. The problem was you rebelled against the godly authority and that's what messed you up. Now, I don't mean by that that the godly authority is perfect and does everything right. Far from it. But the one that leaves the lasting damage is the one that does the rebelling so they can go live unclean. Now, that's, that's what will wreck your life and wreck it badly. Verse uh, 27, And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority, there's that word again, commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. How did they know that's what was wrong with that guy? Did you see how perfectly they diagnosed the problem? A guy yells out in church, and they said, wow, boy, he had some power. What authority does he have to get rid of this unclean spirit? So they knew exactly what the problem was. Did you know people know more than they admit to knowing? And when everything gets brought out, you find out they knew that all along. Well, why wasn't somebody dealing with that unclean spirit if they knew what it was? I'll tell you why. Everybody's waiting for somebody else to do it. Sometimes we need to call a spade a spade and tell what it is. Sometimes the trouble with some of our flesh and our sins is we've got an unclean spirit and it wouldn't hurt for somebody to look us in the face and tell us we've got an unclean spirit. But 
I realize when you do that, you look crazy and all that sort of thing. Verse 28, and immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So when he had that kind of authority to throw out an unclean spirit, immediately everybody heard about it. You know what that tells me? People are longing for authority. And when authority showed up, it actually did what was supposed to be done. Everybody heard about it quickly. All right, let's look at the parallel passage over here in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, begin reading verse uh, 31. Luke 4, 31. Now, he's just come through a place where he was at the uh, synagogue in Nazareth. And uh, they, just, they just about killed him. They took him to the brow of the hill. was going to throw him off and kill him. Don't think just because you're in the synagogue that everything's okay. And I hate to say this, but don't think just because you're in a Bible-believing Baptist church everything's okay. <laughs> you make somebody mad in there, they're liable to throw you off a cliff just like anybody else. We're still human. I hate to admit it, but we Bible-believing Baptists are still human. We've still got temper and lust and deceit and covetousness and all, all the problems that all humans have. we got the Lord in us, but we also got the old nature at the same time. Amen. So don't think that just because you're in a church, or in this case, of course, it was a synagogue before the, before the New Testament was in effect, don't think that everything will be all right. Jesus himself was there teaching him, and they went to try to kill him right then. And in that unbelievable setting, let's pick up the reading in verse 30. But passing through the midst of them, he went his way and came down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. Notice how the words authority and power are used interchangeably here. Verse 33, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil. Isn't it good to see the Bible be so plain? An unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. I want to preach tonight on the demon-possessed church member. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you come down and bear witness to the truth of your word, God, and help us learn some things to understand you better and understand the enemy better. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ, just reading and teaching the scripture, shook up the religious establishment of his day. I mean, when he came in with his authority and power, they just couldn't handle it. Now, the mention of devils is found often in the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus. Many times, somebody with a devil or an unclean spirit shows up while Jesus is ministering. This suggests that demon activity is the strongest where a most effective ministry for God is present. You may as well expect it if we're trying to preach the word of God and support missionaries and do things that be a blessing and a help based on the scripture, the devil's going to show up. If the devil doesn't show up, there ain't much going on. I hate to say it that way, but I don't know how else to tell you. 
Also notice that Jesus and the people are familiar with demon possession. There's no period of investigating. What is wrong with this guy? Why is he acting this way right in the middle of worship at synagogue? They knew exactly what it was. They said, wow, do you see the authority he had over that unclean spirit? The people are aware of this problem, even knowing the Bible name, unclean spirit. Nevertheless, even though people were familiar with it, they were sometimes more comfortable with the demon than they were with Jesus. Amen. You remember when the poor guy, the maniac of Gadara, was running around terrorizing everybody? Jesus cast those devils out, and he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind and wanting to stay with Jesus, and they're scared to death and asked Jesus to leave. People are more comfortable with demons than they are with Jesus. That's a big part of the problem. You get attacked for trying to stand for what's right. A lot of it is because they'd rather have a devil than somebody with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and when I say that, I'm not saying that you'll be perfect because you're a Baptist or I'm perfect because I'm a Bible believer. I'm not saying any of that. But if we're saved, we do have the Holy Spirit of God in us whether we deserve it or not and whether we live up to it or not. And people are not comfortable with that. And they'll take a devil any day, many of them would, over that. Now, in our day, I do think that demon activity is probably the strongest in places where it's welcome, like witchcraft and voodoo and people that deal with the curious arts and that funny business. That's probably where they're the most prevalent because they're so welcome there. But second only to that would be a place where the Spirit of God is moving and they want to get there and oppose it. I think it's pretty, it's pretty prevalent there even in our day. If God has an effective ministry, Satan and his devils want to oppose it. So if we do not rec recognize demonic influence, we're either ineffective in the Lord's work or we're blind to what's obviously there. And I do think that both things can be true. All right, uh, let's look at just the synagogue, the spirit, and the Savior. All right, let's look at the synagogue first. It was a man-made institution. It was formed when the Jews had rejected God's law, and some of them wanted to get together and study it and worship the Lord. And uh, Jesus thought that was a good thing. It was his custom every Sabbath to go and read the Word of God in the synagogue. You should not have to twist people's arms to show up at a place where the Word of God is exalted, talked about, read, taught, and preached. Amen. That ought to be a place we want to go. The Word of God ought to do something in you. If it doesn't do something, something is wrong. When you go to churches and the place is packed and all they're doing is basically having parties and eating and dancing and, <coughs> and just doing things that's fun to the flesh, and don't get me wrong, I'm all for fun. I like ball games and comedians and jokes and all that stuff. But when that's all church is, there's something wrong. Amen. Church ought to be someplace where the Bible is exalted, where authority is asserted. And when somebody fights against that, there's a good chance they got a devil. They at least are living according to their flesh and very well may have an unclean spirit contributing to that problem. Now Jesus was there every Sabbath. It said in a synagogue, wherever, whatever town he was in, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and 
as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. That was his habit. That was his custom. That was what he always did. And when he read the scripture, handed it back to the minister and sat down, every eye there was on him. Because there was something about God reading God's word that got people's attention. It had, however, some real mean people there. As I've already alluded to in the earlier part of chapter 4, before the part that we read, uh, when he said that the Gentiles were going to get in some blessings and the Jews got turned down some blessings, it made them so mad they wanted to kill him right then and had every intention of doing it. It says in verse 29, they thrust him out of the city and led him under the brow of the hill whereon their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Don't think that just because you come to a place where uh, the Word of God is exalted that you won't run into some mean people there. Say, well, that won't be at the right kind of church. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. It was at a place where Jesus himself was the teacher. <laughs> It'll be anywhere else, too, I'll guarantee you. Don't, you, don't, you don't leave a church because there's mean people there. Otherwise, you can't go to any church. Because I assure you, if you think they're not mean at that church, it's because you just ain't seen them yet. <laughs> you spend a few weeks, months, and years with them. I'll guarantee you, buddy, every one of us is mean. If you doubt any one of us is, you know, just wonderful, sugar sweet, just move in with us about two weeks. <laughs> it probably won't take that long, will it? Oh, man. It had mean people there. Jesus sought one. You know, he was in Nazareth, and then he's gone down to Capernaum, and I believe he kind of moved to Capernaum. But even when he first got there, first thing he did was find him a synagogue, go in there, read the Bible, and teach it. But I'll say this about that synagogue. It had Jesus in it, but it also had devils in it, didn't it? <laughs> I promise you, if uh, somebody stands up in the Old Testament and the devil stands up to oppose them, if you stand up to read and teach and preach the Word of God, the devil's going to stand up to oppose you. Dr. Ruckman taught us when you go soul winning, expect a couple things. Expect great blessing, because the Lord blesses those efforts, but also expect opposition. It is going to make somebody mad. It's going to make somebody uncomfortable. They don't care anything about it. They don't want it. So that's the synagogue. All right, now let's look at the spirit. That is the unclean spirit in this, in this story. First thing I notice about it is it attended church. <laughs> now, again, I'm, I'm saying that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. I know we didn't have the New Testament in effect yet because we hadn't yet had the death of the testator, so it isn't, it isn't the church as you and I know it, but it's the synagogue. It's a kind of a precursor to it. It's kind of a similar to it in that day. And the unclean spirit doesn't have any problem showing up at church or synagogue. Now, the next thing I notice about it is it was of a spiritual nature. I mean, wouldn't we almost have been more comfortable with it if it would have said an unclean flesh, an unclean body? It says an unclean spirit. You remember where it tells husbands and wives, you know, if uh, they're fasting, you know, to separate and not have the marital relationship, but come together again lest Satan tempt you for your incontinence? <laughs> what do you mean Satan? I thought that would just be a fleshy temptation. Let me tell you something. 
spirits get involved in some fleshy sins. Oh, yes. And spirits are very interested in tripping up saved people in fleshy things. You not only have your flesh to contend with, and as I said this morning, that's your number one enemy. Your number one enemy that you have to fight all day, every day, is your flesh. But spirits are glad to get in there and help. Don't ever think for a moment that the only problem, the only reason you're having a problem with your flesh is because of your flesh. <laughs> well, that's just the way young men are. That's just the way young women are. No, no, there's a real devil out there, and he sends plenty of spirits that encourage that stuff. It attended church, and it was of a spiritual nature. I'll tell you something else. It was unclean. What's a, what's a good synonym for unclean? Dirty. Dirty jokes, dirty music, dirty clothes, dirty moves on the dance floor, dirty, dirty, dirty. Uh, let me tell you how you know the wrong spirit is in a place when there's a lot of dirty stuff going on. When the clothes start coming off. You know what it says about the maniac of Gadara? He wear no clothes. Amen. And there are plenty of people that have no trouble going showing their nakedness in so-called churches in our day. It's a wrong spirit. It's a wrong spirit. You say, well, that's flesh. That's flesh. Yeah, it's flesh, but there's some spirit behind it too. It was unclean. I'll tell you something else. It was vocal in church. He was comfortable enough to speak up. It wasn't somebody that was just sitting back there in the corner. He didn't mind. He didn't mind calling out. He didn't care for anybody. Heard him. I'll tell you something else. He recognized Jesus. Let me tell you about unclean spirits. They know Jesus. And Paul was having trouble with that devil-possessed person there in the book of Acts. And somebody fussed and said, uh, well, we fuss at you for by this Jesus who Paul preaches. He said, do you have any other good authority? Leave me alone. Let me go do what I want to do. And we've already talked about it. It has a sexual implication. You find somebody saying, leave me alone. Let me go do some dirty stuff. You're dealing with somebody that's got a flesh problem. And you very well may be dealing with somebody that's dealing with an unclean spirit. Because that is exactly what the spirit says, over in this closet and shut the door, and I went and did what I wanted to do. You know why? I wanted him to leave me alone. That's what you do to authority when you want to do your own stuff. Tell you something else, it wanted to harm. It wanted to hurt people. Dad was teaching there on the, in Genesis there where when Lot got so messed up and the person in Judges got so messed up. You know what they did? They turned young women over to those perverts in those cities like Sodom and where those horrible things happened in Judges. Let me tell you who will hurt you. Let me tell you who you better be afraid of. You better be afraid of the perverts out of this world. Amen. Now, occasionally your authority figure might get too harsh with you. Don't get me wrong. People don't do things every don't do everything right. Even saved people and people trying to do right and keep you out of trouble, 
won't always do it right. Sometimes it'll be a little too harsh. They will not hurt you the way this world is. There's some people out in this world that are monsters. It's, it's a shame to speak in a mixed audience what they're doing out in this world. Amen. What, what little bit of uh, harm you get from somebody that loves you and trying to keep you out of trouble doesn't even compare with what you're going to get into out in the world. We can bring up the prodigal son often in these discussions. He might have thought his father was a little too hard on him, had a few too many rules and made him work a little too much. But boy, it wasn't nothing compared to what he got into when he got out in the far country. He was out there with the hogs wishing he could eat their slop. But this, this unclean spirit, it wanted to harm. Uh, look at chapter 4 and verse 9. When the devil's attempting tempting Jesus, he says, And he brought him to Jerusalem and cast him on and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence. He's wanting to hurt. Uh, verse 28 and 29, when the synagogue doesn't appreciate what the Lord Jesus is teaching, they want to throw him off of the brow of the hill. In verse uh, 35, this devil throws him in the midst and came out of him and hurt him not, but not because the devil didn't want to. It says over in the parallel passage, he tear him. It's just that Jesus was right there and wouldn't let him. It wasn't that the devil said, oh, I'm a nice guy, I won't hurt you. That wasn't it. Jesus was there to protect him. He has every intention of hurting. Listen, this is true for all of us, but especially for you young people. Don't mess with this world. It has every intention of hurting you. Amen. The devils out there have every intention of hurting you bad. Your mom and daddy might have spanked. Your mom and daddy might have fussed at you. Your mom and daddy might have got a little too strict and a little too mean and a little too harsh sometimes. But I promise you, your mom and daddy ain't going to do nothing to you outside of some real unusual exceptions. Your mom and daddy ain't going to do nothing to you like those monsters out in this world are going to do to you. Amen. You better look out. You better look out for those unclean spirits. You get in those places where that music is going and that beat is going and putting that passive state and those people have those glazed over eyes from their drugs or sitting and listening to those repetitive beats, putting them in that passive state, and the devils are swirling around freely. There's some people there that'll hurt you real bad. You ain't never thought about no hurting like what they're gonna put on. You better stay out of that world and stay out from those devils. And I hate to say this, just because you're in church doesn't mean you won't come across them. There's some, there's some church people that looks at some pretty bad videos, too. There's some church people listens to some pretty bad language and music, too. There's some church people into some pretty rough stuff, too. So you, you be on guard for it, spiritually speaking. Now, I'm not saying get out of church because Jesus kept going, didn't he? But I am saying there's human beings everywhere. And wherever you got human beings, you're liable to have Luke 4, and there was delivered... Uh, Unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. He, he takes the Bible and teaches it. Didn't say, you know, I read an interesting poem by a person that I think has some good insights into human nature. Amen. No, he picked up a Bible and taught it. I'll tell you something else. He taught it with authority, as we've already said. Jesus shows up and asserts authority. And if the unclean spirits get mad, they just have to get mad. 
His teaching astonished even regular attenders. The truth of the matter is, folks, we sometimes get in a lull when our ears get dull of hearing. We talked Wednesday night a little bit about ears getting dull of hearing. You've heard a lot of Bible teaching and preaching and you've sung a lot of gospel songs. After a while, your ears get dull to it. It doesn't have the effect that it ought to have. But when somebody shows up, and of course the Lord Jesus is great example, greatest example there could ever be, who knows the Lord, knows His Word, and starts teaching, all of a sudden there's a power, and even regular attenders say, wait a minute, there's, there's something going on here I don't always feel, even when I go to church sometimes. His teaching and His power astonished even those regular attenders. But here's the problem, He taught some unpopular truths. When he was back here teaching in Nazareth, where he had been brought up, where his kinfolk were, and where the people were that you would have thought loved him, he taught some things, and they were ready to kill him, as we've already said. He said that uh, there were some Gentiles that received some blessing that some Jews didn't get. That made them mad. You don't bring up that racial issue and somebody not get mad. How many knows that? Amen. They got good and mad. And one of the reasons was because of jealousy. Verse 22, And all bare him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. When he got up there and had all that power, they went, Is this not? One that we know from Joseph's carpentry shop, there was a, probably a little jealousy there. And there was definitely some pride in the fact that they're descended from Abraham and these Gentiles are getting blessings that he's talking about. That made them mad. Jealousy and pride. You know what will get the bickering started and get the fight going at work or at school or at church or in the neighborhood or in a family? Jealousy and pride. <laughs> You get a couple of people that both want the same job, both want the same recognition, both want the same sweetheart, both want the same amount of money, both want the same thing, and they're jealous of the other, and only by pride comes contention. <laughs> Somebody's got proud, and there's a fight going on. And because of jealousy and pride, here comes, the, here comes the fight. And you know what Jesus did? Stepped right in the middle of both of them. He didn't say, all right, now I've got to be careful here, you know, because if I start, you know, looking too good, they're going to be all jealous because, you know, there was other families that had boys about my age. And here all of a sudden I've obviously got the hand of God on me. And, and then if they're real touchy about the Gentiles getting any of the Jews' blessings, I definitely can't bring that up. He just stepped right in the middle of it. He just let it make mad whoever he's going to make mad. Here's why. When you preach the Word of God, you just got to preach what the Word of God says. You can't worry about who it's going to be. Amen. Now, when it comes to your interpersonal dealings, by all means, try not to make anybody mad. Try to give none offense that the ministry be not blamed. But when it comes to, thus saith the Lord, all you can do is teach and preach what the Word says. Amen. And boy, is that going to cause some trouble. Verse um, 35, when the unclean man with the unclean spirit speaks up, it says in verse 35, And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Jesus rebuked irreverence. When a man with an unclean spirit, first of all, 
might say rebuked Jesus and said, what are you having to do with us? And then said, you are the Holy One of God. He didn't say, well, bless you, my son. You did get that right. <laughs> I mean, that was who he was, but that unclean spirit didn't have any business bearing witness to it. And Jesus rebuked him for it. He said, you get out of here. He commanded deliverance. He said, that man that you have been oppressing, I want you out of him. And even though he threw him in the midst of them, he was out. But thank God he protected him from harm when he did it. Because even though it says he tore him over in the other one, it says here he did him no hurt. And the Lord Jesus helps you, it'll do no hurt. But boy, it'll be a scary thing. Don't you know if you had a devil inside of you, that'd be a scary thing? You've seen scary movies where somebody was possessed, haven't you? <laughs> Can you imagine looking in the mirror and realizing that was you that had that devil inside of you? Would you like to confront that thing? Don't you know it's a scary thing when Jesus gets in a fuss with that devil inside of this man? And that thing gets confronted? That's one reason that a lot of people are comfortable with demons. Because they're familiar with them. And as long as we don't stir them up. There are people, bless their hearts, live that way in their houses for a long time. Walking on eggshells, scared to death to bring up something that might get their wife yelling. Or might get their husband yelling. Or might get one of the teenage kids yelling. And fussing about their rights and all that stuff. Listen, you need to just go ahead and deal with stuff. If it makes somebody mad, you just have to make somebody mad. You don't need to live, live around a devil... Because you're scared to make them mad. But that's what the Lord Jesus did. And I bet it was scary for this poor guy. Because he knew that devil could inflict some damage on him. That devil sure could inflict some damage on him. And had every intention of inflicting some damage on him. It was only because Jesus was there. You know why a lot of people get comfortable with the devil? They don't want to stir it up and go through the fire. Because they don't think Jesus will protect them. You trust the Lord Jesus to protect you? You say, yeah, well, some of our Baptist forefathers trusted Jesus to protect them, and they end up whooped and in jail. <laughs> true, true, but Jesus went in there with them. I remember some young men that trusted the Lord to take care of them, and they got thrown in a flat, fiery furnace. Oh, yeah. But Jesus was in there with them. Hey. Should they have just uh, given in and went ahead and bowed down to Nebuchadnezzar's image? So they didn't stir up the problem. I mean, it it made Nebuchadnezzar mad. Some of us need to get enough courage to look the devil in the face and say, no, nope, we're not going along with that. And if it makes you mad, it'll just have to. If I get whooped and thrown in jail for it, so be it. Jesus will be in there with me. They went and throw Jesus off the brow of the hill. He wasn't scared. He just passed through the midst of it. He protected from harm. But I'll tell you something else. He caused change. It is only when you deal with something scary that something actually changes. As long as you keep walking on eggshells, scared to death, the thing never will change. And that devil will stay oppressing you. There comes a point you just got to move it out. Let it go and let it go and torment somebody else. All right, what have we seen tonight? We've learned that there are some important truths about devils. I love how the King James Bible calls them devils. That way there's no doubt about whose side they're on. We saw that they're prominent during our Lord's earthly ministry and that people were familiar with them. 
They knew it was an unclean spirit. We saw also that being a regular attender at the synagogue, even the one where Jesus himself taught did not protect you from their influence. There are going to have to be confrontations. If there's a bunch of money being lost, you'd be surprised how quick the business owner will get ready to confront the problem. You know what? If there's spiritual power with God being lost in, in your life, in your family, you might need to confront the problem. Now, more importantly, we're reminded of some great truths about Jesus. He's an authoritative teacher. He teaches astonishing truths that are often unpopular. He has a definite negative side to his teaching that rebukes evil. But I'll tell you what it does do. It causes profound positive changes. Isn't that a blessing? You know what happened? This man got free! Jesus did the uncomfortable thing. He confronted the evil spirit. The evil spirit was gone. And the man was free. You say, I don't want to stir anything up. Well, I understand that. I appreciate that. There certainly, you don't need to stir up something all the time. But when it's something that is clear disobedience to the Word of God, maybe we do. If you're unsaved, you know what you need to do? You need to rise above your level of comfort and cast yourself on Jesus, trusting Him for deliverance. But if you are saved, you know what you need to do? You need to pray and work to be more like Jesus, or else you're not going to be able to affect the change in somebody else like He did. God help us to have a Blessed effect on other people's lives. God help us to recognize the devil when he shows up. The devil recognized Jesus, and Jesus recognized the devil. Do we have enough discernment from reading and studying our Bible that we recognize the devil? I promise you, he's all around us. He's all around us.